And you're listening to A Little Too Quiet. It's the Ferndale Library podcast brought to you by the Friends of the Ferndale Library. My name is Jeff Milo and joining us on the podcast today is author Jonathan Evison, New York Times bestselling author of such books as Lawn Boy, The Revised Fundamentals of Caregiving, This Is Your Life, Harriet Chance, and West of Here. Jonathan Evison has a new book out called Small World, which is about so much. I don't even know if I can sum it up in one blurb. And in fact, Jonathan Evanson's books have always felt big in a way, big in scope. The reviews that usually come in have those words like big and sprawling or epic, but what they really are is an opportunity, I think, for readers to enter into their own uh, meditation of where they are in their life, where have they been, what is their past, what is their family's past history. And then the questions kind of ripple off from there. Where are we going? Where have we been? What is America's history? What does all this mean? And how are we all connected? And what is the importance of retaining that sense of connection? And Small World does that. It is a book where the characters are connecting in the most intriguing and meaningful ways. It starts off with a train that is headed west in the relatively present day of 2019. And the book throughout its chapters, explores the lives of the ancestors of many of the passengers on board. So we are introduced with a cast of characters in the present day, but then we are, throughout the chapters, taken to such iconic backdrops as the California Gold Rush, the development of the Transcontinental Railroad, and just gracefully, elegantly, chronicling 170 years of American nation building from numerous points of view across place and time. And that does sound big, but this is an extremely readable novel. Uh, It has a very propulsive pace, which we do talk about with Jonathan Evison, who is uh, based in the Pacific Northwest, which the train in this book is also headed to that direction. And we're here today to talk with Jonathan about why he was inspired to take a very big swing with this book, Small World. Here's our chat. characters it covers 170 years it's i mean it, it's it's hard to find your talking points under those circumstances uh i i just felt compelled to start with trains is that okay let's start with trains yeah whatever you want to do because <laughs> i've always been and i don't think i'm extraordinary in this regard I've, I've always been fascinated with trains and and also how it is trains are somewhat emblematic of American history or emblematic of at least the uh, the mythos of, of, of America? Is that perhaps where the idea for this book started or at least with the the import of the transcontinental railroad? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's kind of where the idea of small world was born. It's just this idea of the transcontinental railroad seeking to shrink the world by connecting the, you know, the, the two seaboards. Um, yeah, that's one thing I've realized about train people is that people that are like trains really like trains, you know what I'm saying? And I was more of a casual train person. So it was an education for me. Uh, I had to have many people vet the work, you know, you don't want to get anything wrong with the trains because train enthusiasts are going to call you on it. Like, mm-hmm. uh, what do you mean the third rail? I thought this was a diesel train. And, you know, I mean, I went through a long process of that, which was super helpful and, you know, you, you got to do that with 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 any 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 time you write outside your area of expertise. But uh, also, I needed a vehicle for all these characters as well. 
I needed something, the idea of connection, the railroad connecting things. And then I needed a, you know, a, a vehicle or, you know, kind of a vessel to put all the modern characters in, you know what I mean? Cause when you, when you have this widespread disparate cast of characters, you know, for the reader's sake, the, they need to coalesce and connect in a very tangible way. And I, and I thought that that might also be part of the attraction is the sense of connection. Uh, if anyone has picked up your books and just gone to the back and read the blurbs, they'll constantly see words like big and sprawling and epic and scope, etc. But I find that throughout your books, there's always been that theme of how important it is to hold that sense of connection. This is a very big as you said, 170 years sprawling sense of connection or even just the sense of connection with our passengers on the train. But connection's always been there for you, or at least in uh, my thanks for, I appreciate you realizing that. I mean, I, I have a, the same themes I sort of work with and connection is a big one. Like even in, in, in Lawn Boy, which is a, you know, a talk to you like a friend, first person building Vermont, the theme is still in there. You know, mm-hmm. Mike, 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 when he finally finds his way, certainly, you know, realizes that he didn't do this alone and and sort of pieces together you know so the theme the theme is always there for me i mean it's uh i mean it's the ultimate human theme to me i mean we we're born and we die alone uh and yet you know in order to thrive we're completely uh dependent upon others you know i mean and this stays true throughout our history i mean nobody is alive today that ever invented a language you know unless it's some coding language, you know I mean? So it just goes back and back through time. We're still, we're still connected and still, uh, you know, dependent upon one another. Mm-hmm. I was talking about what's emblematic of America. And there is the phrase and, and literary mythos of the great American novel. Were you trying to go for that with this one? Uh, or can you just talk about what it takes maybe to pull off a novel like this? I imagine there's a lot of research. I imagine there's a lot of vetting. I'm curious to hear what the reward, what the fulfillment and rewards are of some of that tedium and, and whether or not you're going for the great. Oh, it novel. wasn't tedious. Though. Good, See, that's good. the thing. That's the reward. The work is the reward. And so this one I sort of cooked up on the eve of my 50th birthday. You know, I was kind of, I, I kind of turned in 50 kind of lit a fire under my butt and I wanted to, I really wanted to swing for the fences with this one. Uh, and I've done that before, like with West of here, but the, the last few novels were a little, not, not necessarily quiet. I mean, they, they had their share of literary pyrotechnics or whatever, but they were more narrowly focused on um, fewer characters. And I just really wanted to, my goal as a writer is to ultimately just to, to play in a high stakes game, you know, to try to, to, to write something that could potentially ruin my career was my goal here. Like if I didn't pull this off, I could fall flat on my face and the whole house of cards goes, I like those high stakes. You know, I like playing in that sort of pressure situation. So it was never tedium partially because see, I hate research. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> uh, people probably assume I like it, but I, I, I kind of hate it. I like the human element of it. I like to talk and interview with people when I have specific questions in mind and things I need to gauge that part, that human connection part is fun, but like book research is just such a quagmire um, that I've actually gotten a lot better at over the years. You know, I've written like 17 books, you know, so it's like I've learned, I used to just tackle research like, well, I better read these nine books. And, and that that's a dangerous proposition because when you're learning about something, you learn all these things that don't have to do with your story, but you're like, man, that's so good. I, I feel obligated to use it. I now have really focused down. To, it's really about authenticity. And like, mm-hmm. so I, I really tackle my research specifically about, I know my situations and my scenarios for my characters 
and I have to, so I can, you know what I'm saying? I, I can, I can, I can do the research in narrower swaths. I pick up a lot of other peripheral knowledge as well, but that focus makes it a, a lot easier. And so does, uh, you know, so does the internet, for, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, I don't depend on the internet as my final source, but I, I can remember a day in as, you know, 20 years ago when if I had to figure out if there was a back window and a 67 duster, I had to drive 20 miles, you know, round trip to the library and sit in the reference section because they wouldn't let you check out the, the, you know, it would. And so now I can just little things like that. You can fact check really quick. What a difference. Yes, indeed. Uh, Just tell me about the, what the experience of, of writing this book, because I was just so curious about what your, and you were kind of touching on this, but what your momentum was like as a writer, because you're not necessarily, and I'm not disparaging detective novels, but you're not necessarily writing a thriller where it's one single character, chapter to chapter with an arrowhead plot going to the solve the mystery. You are, it's 2019 Chicago, and then it's 1851 on the railroad, and then it's a completely different character. The shifts going on here, um, what was it like to keep that momentum and to I guess, get into the headspace of so many different people in so many different timelines. Yeah. Well, first I'll say that at its root, it really is still Aristotelian dramatics. I mean, it really is an arrowhead. It's just a really big arrowhead. And right. so when, when a character like this, where you're doing a novel where you're juggling all these characters and stuff and everybody has their own individual line, it becomes less of a pop song and more of an orchestral piece. Symphony. You can't ha- yeah. You can't have everybody's line sort of, you know, everybody can't go up and down. You can't reverse the emotional charges with each character simultaneously, or the book becomes uh, repetitive, or it doesn't, it doesn't have that emotional swelling you need. So you have to figure out the way to, you're still going for that arc that you would in the, in, in, in the, in the thriller or the, but you're having to find a way to orchestrate it with all these personalities and all these lines. And it's just a matter of stepping back. And uh, really it comes down to connective tissue and themes and figuring out how, how to make, how to make the themes and the connections uh, more central import than the individual characters really like there's the micro level on the macro level of this. And, and really it just starts with thinking like the reader, I think for me, like just being very aware of the information I'm giving the reader and knowing what buttons I want to push and what experience I'm trying to give the reader. And that makes such a huge difference in terms of conceiving of the thing, because like as a reader, I know that I love convergences and connections I love making connections as a reader and going, having those aha moments, you know, because ultimately it's a dance between the reader and the writer where the reader's doing everything I'm doing backwards and heels. And so, I mean, that's really what I've learned as a writer, just in general, to get better mm-hmm. at this thing after so many dang books is that really you just always think about the, the end user, the reader, who's just really just me at the other end, you know? Right. But it, it's very easy to be authorial about these things. And in my earlier efforts, I was, it was just more about what do I want to say? What do I, you have to start to say, well, what does a reader need to hear to understand what I'm trying to say? And so that's, that, that's really the ultimate guide to, you know, to, to pulling something this big off, I think is just to, 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 to think of it from the reader. Am I giving the reader too much here? Can the, is the reader going to make this connection? Is the reader going to make that connection? Are they seeing the bigger picture? Am I allowing them to step back and, and see that these aren't all these disparate vignettes that they are all tied together. And it's in, it, it is an interesting experience and exercise to be a reader in this book, because I found myself every time we had a jump back in time, I felt as though I was still a reader 
uh, I guess I was projecting myself across the astral plane. I felt like I was sitting in the train of 2019 constantly, but I was seeing, I don't know, <laughs> visions of the past. Um, so where I felt temporally was very interesting as a reader because I was trying to make, I was always conscious of that connection to the present, um, no matter how far you took us back. And we have to get to know these characters rather quickly um, in these kind of vignettes that we check in with them. And I think that the the dialogue really helped me kind of get to know this person. I think that you're, uh, even from page one through two, you kind of get to know this guy just based on how he interacts with people. So the dialogue was a win, um, for sure. Good. And some of the characters, it was almost sort of necessary to make them sort of archetypal mm -hmm. so that, you know, so that the reader already felt a little sense of familiarity. You know what I mean? Um, these are American archetypes, you know, yep. runaway slaves, gold miners, you know, I mean, they're things that allowed the reader to have some familiarity with so that it wasn't so, you know, obscure, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. they could already feel sort of comfortable and that allowed me to develop a more of an intimacy. To me, it's really just an intimate novel. It's yep. very big in scope, but really it's, it's like all my books. It's just really about character at the end of the day mm -hmm. and how, how, how I can sublimate the themes inside the within the characters you know and rather than having the characters you know be my play actors to paint the theme i want i sure. just let i let the characters lead me to a certain extent there's a, a line that has stuck out to me and it's probably within the first 50 pages and i think that it's a spoken from a parent to a child and the the parent says it's all about the journey and i have been i've been hearing several artists use a variation of that phrase as kind of a mantra of staving off disenchantment or maintaining motivation uh it is kind of a powerful statement um and it feels kind of clean but you know all these characters no matter what timeline they are in are experiencing hardship or frustration or burnout or existentialism or ennui or uncertainty so it really is not it doesn't feel as clean cut as someone simply telling you ah don't worry it's all about the journey but but life kind of is and that's what really got me about this book and i can't really articulate it how we want it to be easy, but it really isn't. And I think that this cast really drove that home for me. I don't have a question there, but I'm just throwing that at you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I can glean the question there. Actually, yeah. I mean, I mean, well, for me, that that I mean, that's that's almost like a little Easter egg for me. There's yeah. there's a couple of them in the book where where uh, you know uh, Nora talks about how a novel is like a little small world in itself, and, and the escape of the, these are writing this book for me was all about the journey. And it always is. It's not, I trust in the process, you know, that's why I'm never afraid of the work. There were seven characters, I think, in this book that are gone, 200 pages just gone from the book, but none of that work was wasted. It's just at a certain point, I realized that these characters couldn't coalesce. I needed to create that convergence. And it was harder, say, to get these characters on the modern day train, mm -hmm. you know, in a way that wasn't herky jerky or whatever. And but it's always about trusting the process for me. And it is about the journey. Writing a book is the goal for me is to become a more expansive person at the end of it, which is why I try to write outside my personal, uh, you know, purview of my experience so often is because I want to I want to experience this other you know, I have maybe 80 years on this planet, but I want to I want to experience as close as possible. I want to accrue actual experience that's outside the purview of my per personal experience. So it's all about the, um, I was never really stressed with how I'm going to pull this off or I just trusted the process. I just knew 
I just knew that my characters would lead me there. I mean, I needed to have certain guidelines like we started with here, trains mm -hmm. that allowed me to, you know, explore nation building on an east to west, uh, you know, uh, continuum. And then, and, and then to have this train, this journey with these people whose lives are all about to change, you know, to have them all in this one vehicle, you know, moving, you know, it, 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 so there are certain guidelines like that that really helped me. You know, as long as I have that, again, that's part of the process. I know <clears throat> that as long as I give myself the tools and the opportunities, the characters will lead me there or just hard work will lead me there. It's wow. never tedious, though. I love the work. I really do. I'm so grateful. Look, man, I've cleaned septic tanks. I've, I've sorted rotten tomatoes for the United Grocers. I've telemarketed sunglasses. I've been a caregiver, a landscaper, a bartender. <clears throat> And whenever I hear people talk about how hard it is to write a novel, I'm like, man, you've never sorted rotten tomatoes in the 108 degree warehouse. I mean, it's a pleasure and an honor and, a, 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 and you know, an entitlement, if anything. And to be able to make my living off it is just the that's the cherry on top. It's not why I do it. It's never was. It's just the it's just the work itself. And I'm so grateful for it. Jonathan, we're grateful to be able to talk to you. It was a pleasure and an honor. And we really enjoyed this book. So thanks for your time, sir. Thanks, Jeff. Very, very much appreciated. Take care. And that was our chat with Jonathan Evison, author of Small World, his latest book out this week. Already considered one of the most anticipated releases of the year and getting rave reviews. So you will definitely be going on a journey if you open this book, and I highly encourage it. So thanks to Jonathan Evison for joining us, and thanks to you for listening to another episode of the Ferndale Library Podcast. It is brought to you by the Friends of the Ferndale Library. If you want to support this podcast, you can go to ferndalefriends.org. The music that you hear at the beginning and end of these episodes is by a local musician. His name is John Duffy. Remember to rate, review, subscribe, or follow, or leave a comment, uh, leave a five-star review, do whatever do whatever you can. Let your friends know about this podcast. Uh, if you have friends out there who are fans of Jonathan Evison, maybe share this episode to social media. We thank you again for listening, and we'll be back next week with more. <laughs>